What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast. And today we are going to take a little bit of a shift away from the marketing side because last week what we talked about a lot was how your operations and your marketing kind of rely on each other uh, in order to be successful. So we're bringing on someone who knows operations, in my opinion, better than most people in this industry. So brought in my friend TJ Hartnett. We're going to talk about training your technicians, um, all that good stuff. And ideally, should you keep training in the summer? So here we go. Welcome to the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast, the podcast for HVAC contractors who are ready to quit screwing around and begin growing their business. Powered by Rival Digital. On this show, you'll hear from industry leaders and become equipped with the tools and knowledge you need to build a world-class business. Now, here's your host, Eric Thomas. What is going on, everyone? How are we doing today? TJ, how are you? I'm fantastic, man. How are you? I'm doing great. It is pouring down rain right now here in Virginia Beach. we got a tornado watch until 6 p.m. So hoping that this all passes over before the Memorial Day weekend. But other than that, can't complain. TJ. Yeah, we, get, we get the same thing up here. So, you know, oh, uh, it, 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 we share weather. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Well, TJ, thank you for hopping on here today and joining me on the show. I can see we've already got some people watching live, so super excited. As always, if you have questions for TJ or myself during this recording, uh, let us know. Uh, we'd love to answer them live if we can for you. So TJ, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself for our listeners out there. Tell them a little bit about yourself and, and your history in this industry. Absolutely. So uh, name's TJ Hartnett. Uh, I am a business coach and trainer in the space, which I know like nowadays we hear that kind of phrase and, you know, everybody sort of cringes a little bit, right? Because it's, it's a little bit flooded. But, uh, but from that side of things, um, I like to think that I bring a different perspective. Um, I've been in the trade since 1994. Uh, October 4th of 94 was my very first day um, learning what at that point an oil burner was uh, because I'm here in the Northeast in Southeastern Pennsylvania. Um, and from 1994 to 2015, uh, was on the contracting side. So whether it was service, maintenance, install, sales, management, uh, started a company, sold a company, went back to operating, um, was just really fortunate to do a lot of different things on the contracting side. In 2015, um, just due to some different things that had led up to it from a, like getting a taste of coaching, if you will. Uh, made the decision to jump over to the coaching and training side full time. Um, and, you know, quite frankly, found what I was put on the face of this planet to do, which is serve others. And uh, so I approach it a little bit differently. I'm not shiny. I'm not super, super outspoken unless you put me in a corner and force it out of me. Um, but I do love serving people. I do love building relationships. Um, and I really, really, pardon me, enjoy helping people get, um, where they want to go and achieve what they want to achieve. So that's, that's me in a nutshell. Well, TJ, I don't want to give away your age, but I was born in 1995. So yeah. you have been in this industry longer than I have been alive. So kudos for you on that, on the longevity. I appreciate it. Yeah. It's, it's been a life's work, right? I was 17 years old when I started. Um, and you know, now I'm 45, so it's, it's been a long time. Yeah. 
So let, let, let's go ahead and dig in. Um, you know, this, this is a topic that you and I had kind of, you know, chatted about a little bit over DMs before this. And um, there tends to be this um, thought that in the summertime, you know, due to the demand increase uh, with weather that you know, it's too busy to train, too busy to continue pushing the business forward. We just need to run, 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 you know, installs and repairs all day. So let's chat about, about training in the summer in particular. Yeah. I mean, so here's the thing. Your, your results are going to be a direct reflection of your consistent behaviors and when it gets busier and you know, there's that demand, what you choose to do around training speaks volumes as to what's important to you as an organization and as a leader. And so if you decide like, Hey, it's busy and revenue has got to be gotten and whatnot. And so we're just not going to train anymore. Whether you realize it or not, you're sending a loud and clear message to your team about the importance of training. Um, and so am I saying that you should be sending people away to classes for multiple days or, or you know, giving up a ton? Of, no, it's not what I'm saying. But I am saying you've got to have a commitment to training, whether it's, you know, one hour, twice a week, whatever it might be. Um, you've got to keep going. And, and the example that I always point to uh, is – Look at professional sports teams, right? If a football team makes it to the Super Bowl, if a baseball team makes it to the World Series, a hockey team makes it to Stanley Cup or NBA makes it to the finals, they don't stop practicing mm -hmm. the weeks between whatever the championship series was leading up to the finals. Like all of them still practice. Well, yeah. last time I checked in HVAC, when it's really cold or when it's really hot is the equivalent of our Super Bowl. So why do we stop practicing? Yeah. Oh, no, even in the day of the game or the night before, they still do walkthroughs just to keep that, you know, that that routine of, you know, running the playbook uh, before the game. It, absolutely. And so there's this whole, you know, there's a saying that I can't, that, that I personally don't like, which is practice makes perfect because it's not true. Right. Practice doesn't make perfect. And then other people will say, oh, well, perfect practice makes perfect. But let me call that one out, too. There's no such thing as perfect practice because it's not real world scenario. Mm -hmm. But practice does make permanent. And so here's the mindset that I have around training in the summertime. You're running more calls in the summer, more calls in the in the in the dead of the winter, those two seasons than you are any other time of the year. Might it be a reasonable belief that you're creating your habits during that time? What What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. So, what does that look like? You know, for a contractor out there who's, um, you know, who thinks you know we're, we're too busy, we just need to get out and, and run these calls. Um, what's some tips that they could apply directly into their business for continuing that training throughout the week? Yeah. It, and so it doesn't have to be anything crazy or, or, or super challenging. I mean, let's look to a couple different resources. Number one is, is our manufacturer and distributor relationships, right? Most of them now have some online resources that we can go to um, and we can see who's participating, who's not, who's passed, who hasn't. So that's the, the simple, easy, low hanging fruit from an outside resource standpoint. We also have, you know, our internal training, right? Now, I recommend twice a week, and I'm going to stand by that until, you know, either somebody shows me that, that there's a better way. And the reason I stand by twice a week is 
we're still technicians first. We still have to be students of the business, regardless of our role. If you're a comfort advisor, if you're an installer, if you're service tech, you still have to know your profession. I am not one that subscribes to sending unknowledgeable people out to just go sell people things. Doesn't feel good for me and I won't coach it. So we've got to have a commitment to our technical prowess and our skills and abilities. So that's one day of training, right? And it could be as simple as an hour in the morning. And maybe we come in an extra hour early or maybe we start our calls an hour later, whatever it might be, but it's, it's a critical hour of importance and it has to have purpose to it. The second is our sales and communication, because I don't care how good you are technically, if you can't communicate things to a homeowner or a client, you can't educate them. You can't get them to have a desire to let you do what it is that you're presenting to them. Well, then your technical skills don't matter because you're not going to get the tools out of the car. So I think both are critically important. Uh, and then there's the inspecting, you know, what we expect thing, right? None of this stuff is new. None of this stuff is 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 rocket science or or you know groundbreaking but you know a lot of people refer to 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 call by call management i refuse to call it that right to me it's call by call coaching and the reason is how many of us listening right now want to be managed i mean i don't know about you but i i doesn't make me feel good to be managed but all of us want to be coached right Mm -hmm. all of us want somebody to pour into us and help us be better And so the way we go about it changes too, right? So you've got your call by call coaching. You've got your two mornings a week. Um, Maybe we got like a dispatch closeout checklist where when we finish a call, we're just verifying the behaviors that we know need to happen to be successful. I mean, you combine those three little things and all of a sudden our results are way, way, way different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You mentioned something about not wanting to send people out in the field without training. Um, and I know you're a big sports fan too. So I think, uh, sports analogies are always, always welcome here on the show. And I was, I was thinking about this the other day. Um, you know, like the NFL draft recently happened and an NFL team, think about how many coaches they have. There's a quarterback's coach. There's a defensive coach. There's an offensive coach. There's people that play like calling plays. There's, there's a coach for every element of the team. Now we all know that these athletes are absolute freaks of nature. Like we could send them out there and they could probably still play pretty well, but if they don't have someone calling the plays, they don't have people coaching them between plays on the sidelines. It's just going to be an absolute free for all. Well, that's just it. And nobody's on the same page. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what's the reasoning behind training in the summertime, right? This is something that I get a lot is like, I'm going to give up the ability to run, however many calls it is that I could be running during that time that we're training. Uh But if I come into your organization, I have a question and right, this is so Eric, I got to preface this. The the Philly comes out sometimes, right? Cause I'm not necessarily always like the sugar coated guy. So here comes the Philly is, is your customer's client experience a hundred percent dictated by who you send to their house. If, if you send Johnny, are they going to get a way better experience than if you send Billy or Sam? And if they are, are you okay with that? That's, that's a great point. I mean, and, and like you had said about, you know, 
Um, doing this training in the morning, yeah, you may have to start your calls an hour later. And a lot of people may think, you know, on the surface, well, if I start an hour later, we lose an hour of, you know, man hours that we can have people running. But think about this. Uh, and this is something that has been brought up on the show before. Um, by starting an hour later with that, you know, having that training and sending them out into the field more prepared, you will lower your callback rate, which in turn makes it way more worth it and more profitable for you. Cause now you're not sending Billy to the same house three times. Yep. You only have to send him there once because they've got the training that they need. Yeah. I mean, look, we've all heard it before, right? There's never time to do it right, but there's always time to do it again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like one, one way or another, you're going to make the time. So mm -hmm. I would personally rather be proactive and, and make it on the front end. And then the other thing is your team is going to practice, whether it's with you with safe eyes and ears and educated eyes and ears, or if it's out with the client, mm -hmm. they're, they're practicing. I would rather them practice and build the permanency, right? Build that muscle memory inside with educated eyes and ears who want the best for them than to do it outside and have challenges. Right. Mm -hmm. So that that's kind of, you know, that side of things. Yeah. We got a question from Robert. Where does this training come from? So Robert, great question. I happen to, to know Robert. He's actually down in your neck of the woods, Eric. He's, he's a Virginia boy. Uh, mm -hmm. Really, really good guy. Great plumber. Uh, Robert, hope you're healing up too. He's, he had a little bit of a back issue recently, but awesome guy. Um, super committed to doing the right thing. So Robert, the training comes from this. What's important to your organization, right? So if it's something where that's not your skill set, right? You're not a trainer. You're not a coach. It's not something that you really have as a unique gift. Then outsource it, right? There's no shortage of resources. Look, I could, I could shamelessly promote myself and say, hey, reach out to us here at the Rocket Service Group and 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 have an assessment with myself and see how we could help you or if you if you're more looking for a different personality maybe we can connect you with michelle maybe we can connect you with vic but bottom line is it's got to come from somewhere and it has to be relevant for what's important to your organization mm -hmm. so how do you go about identifying those those gaps in your training uh so <laughs> Typically pretty easy. Number one, ask your team. They'll tell you, right? Your team will tell you what they want training on. Mm -hmm. and number two is look at your results. Look at your results and see where you're lacking. It, are, are, are you giving the number of options that you should be giving to clients to provide you with the ability for more of them to say yes? Mm -hmm. Are you involving people in a relationship with your company through the form of a service agreement or a maintenance or a membership or whatever you might refer to it as in today's market? Uh, those are going to be things they're going to share with you. And then look at turnover. Are you, are you building a team and a culture that people want to be a part of, or are you building something that people are running from? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's good stuff. And I think, um, and, you know, an underlying theme here on the show a lot is, is the importance of knowing your numbers and knowing stuff like this. Like you can't be the hands off, you know, owner if, unless you have a good operator in place. But if you're an owner operator, you got to be, you know, hands in on, on understanding, you know, why aren't these calls getting booked? Why have we gone back to this house three times? Those are, those are great indicators. 
know, our booking rate's gone down. Why is that? Maybe our CSRs need some more training or, you know, we've had three callbacks to this home. Why is that? Maybe this particular technician needs additional training. Yeah. I mean, and so it comes down to processes and procedures, right? You've got to have them. How do I create one? Right. I, I have a saying it's, it's my baby. Uh, you might like it. You might not, but it's who before how, but always after why. And the reasoning for that is anytime I've got to create a process, the very first question I've got to ask myself is why, why do I need this? Why should I do it? Right. And then we get to the who before how part, which is not mine. Right. I got to give a shout out to Kenny Chapman, who before how is hundred percent his, mm-hmm. I just added to it. Right. But the who before how part comes from this. Before I worry about how we're going to do it, I got to pay attention to who's going to do it, who's it going to serve, and who's it going to affect. And so as we're looking at processes and the need to build them, the very first question I always have to answer is why. Then I can look to the who. Then I can look to the what and the how. But if you think about how we typically function in our space, unfortunately, we almost always do that backwards. Mm-hmm. right? What am I going to do? How am I going to do it? Who's going to have to do it? Oh, and maybe I'll answer the why. Yeah. Right. And this goes back to a Simon Sinek thing, which is people, people just don't buy what we do. They buy why we do it. Right. Yeah. It, it, so if we're not communicating why we probably don't have the results that we want. And where does that come from? It comes from training comes from having core values, comes from having a mission statement, right? And so from a coaching standpoint, from a training standpoint, it's a holistic approach. If you don't have some of these key things, how can you possibly create an aligned organization? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you know, it's like, like you said, knowing that why, um, that that's something that I think that a lot of people don't understand. Like when you first get into it, it's like, why, why am I doing this? Why am I doing what am I doing? Um, they just go straight into, and this is to no fault of their own. Cause a lot of, you know, a lot of business owners out there started as a technician yep. and they've always known what they're doing. I fix air conditioners. I install air conditioners. Um, and so they start a business with the thought of I'm going to go install air conditioners rather than starting with the why of, I'm going to, you know, whatever their why may be, there's, you know, everyone's got their own thing, um, but completely agree with you there. Yeah. And so here's the big mistake we make, Eric, you just mentioned it is we all think we do heating and cooling. No, we do not. Every single home services company in the industry today, heating and air conditioning, plumbing, electric, roofing, garage door, I don't care what it is. Your primary function is that you are a sales and marketing company. Whether you like it or you don't, that's your primary function. Because mm-hmm. if those two things don't happen, you don't have anything to do, yeah. right? Your secondary function is growing and serving people. Mm-hmm. You just happen to do it through the mechanism of heating and air conditioning, of plumbing, of electrical, whatever it might be. That is, that is not who we are. It is not what we do. It's just simply the mechanism in which we do the things that we actually do that are important. 
Yeah, I completely agree with you. And there's actually training that, you know, that I'm doing with my team, um, completely different industry, but the, the very first chapter of this training uh, course that we're going through the entire chapter of it was every company is a marketing company. Like in, in, I mean, we're quite literally a marketing company, but everyone's a marketing company. Cause if you don't, you know, if you don't have that, then you're, like you said, you've got, you've got nothing to sell and you've got no jobs to run. You've got no one you can employ and you've got no community you can serve. And so when we think of marketing, what do we think of Eric? Well, we think of places like rival digital, right? We think of billboards. We think, mm-hmm. but what if marketing isn't really what we think it is? What if marketing is holding the door open for somebody at a convenience store while we're wearing a company uniform? What if it's how we drive our trucks or how we maintain our trucks on the highway? What, mm-hmm. what if it's the fact that we pull up at our kid's sporting event in a company vehicle, wearing a company uniform, and then maybe don't act necessarily the way we ought to? <laughs> right? What, what if those are potentially the more powerful forms of marketing. Mm -hmm. And you know, what's funny about that is that um, when, when you're representing the company out in public in a good light, people will remember it, but they don't always say something. But the second you go 95 and a 70, the second that you're cutting people off and you're yelling at your kids umpire, your website, they're going to go straight to your website, your company's website, and they're going to put a contact form submission in. And they're going to say truck S 23 was going 90 and cut me off and, you know, smoking a blunt in the dri- <laughs> while driving. <laughs> and so they will let you know the bad stuff and they'll remember that. And so it, it, like you said, that's, that's super critical to make sure that they're, they're always representing the company. Um, yep. and, and so where, where does it come from? Well, let's go back to the importance of training, right? Let me, let me, let me bring this back. One of the other reasons the training was so important to me when I was operating was it gave me an opportunity to see my team members at least twice a week. Mm-hmm. Why do I want to see them? Well, I want to see what the uniforms look like. I want to see what the boots look like. I'd like to be able to have somebody go out while we're in doing the training. What do those vans look like? Mm-hmm. Right. And well, here's another opportunity. Can we agree that keeping the vans clean and getting maintenance done, like oil changes and things is challenging? Well, if I have two hours a week that I could bring somebody to my location and have it done while my team is getting fed and educated, that's that much less downtime that has to happen that if I wasn't doing that training, I wouldn't have available to me. Mm -hmm. So the amount of things affected and impacted by having a solid training program is almost impossible to measure. Mm-hmm. Well, it's also good for, you know, a lot of these listeners are owners. We do have some technicians out there, but for the owner listener right now, um, training is, is great. Not only for your team, it's also good for you because they say, you know, the best way to learn something is to go teach it yeah. and it, it'll keep you, you know, up to snuff with what's going on. Right. And so here's really popular on social media. Now everybody's throwing around the, those who can do those who can't teach. I was like, we need to add a third line. Those who have done it and realized it was more important to feed others, coach. Mm. Right? Because because at the end of the day, like if I wanted to go back to operating, I I could go back to operating. There'd be no shortage of opportunities to do that. Mm -hmm. But the ability to impact and serve and help others at the scale that I'm able to do as a coach 
means far more to me than the financial lifestyle that I would lead if I went back to operating or selling. Yeah. Well, even, you know, even in sports, like, I mean, I know the Astros have a, an asterisk by their world series. Um, but it's no, it's no coincidence that that team was led by two retired baseball players and Alex Cora went from there to the Red Sox. And that next year, the Red Sox won a world series. Yep. And you know, it's, they could have hired, you know, some, someone else to have coached, but they hired a, you know, a formal player, a former player. And that I certainly think that's no coincidence. Oh, and by the way, Alex Cora left the Red Sox and then they had their worst season in the past 10 years. Then they bring him back and they make it to the playoffs again. So it's, uh, I know you're probably not a Red Sox fan as a Philly uh, person, but uh. <laughs> I, I am a diehard Phillies fan. We do have the greatest mascot in all professional sports. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, but your point is proven, right? Your point is, mm-hmm. is a million percent proven. And like Alex Cora is a baseball guy. He knows the game. Yeah, absolutely. So when it comes to training, you know, this is something that if it's not done right, it could be like, all right, guys, you know, it's Tuesday morning. Uh, we got to go do training. How do you get your guys excited about training? you make sure it serves them right at the end of the day, everybody, everybody on the face of earth right now has one radio station. That's their favorite. And I don't care where you live, what country, whatever, one radio station. Are you ready for this one, Eric? Mm-hmm. It's W I I FM, right? What's in it for me. And so when we think about what's in it for me, if the training's not serving your team, they don't feel fed when they leave. Well, then you're going to have feedback that says that Uh it can't always be about the numbers, right? Here's from a coach. This is probably not going to be the most popular thing in the world, but revenue is never the focus. It's always a result. These, these guys, I, I challenge you go into the, team room the next time you're there and ask how many of them got into this industry because they like to sell things and watch how many hands don't go up. Mm -hmm. They're not here because they enjoy selling things. We have to communicate it in such a way that helps them to understand it's more about offering solutions to problems than it is about sales. Mm-hmm. The more problems that I can solve for somebody and the more peace of mind I can provide somebody, the more successful I get to be. And the way I measure that, unfortunately, is in revenue. Yeah. I, I completely agree about that. And so when it comes to sales, um, you know, do you guys find that good technicians become better sales professionals than someone who has no technical expertise of the trade sometimes. And then sometimes you run into the exact opposite problem where they get too technical. Mm-hmm. They can't get out of their own way because they expect everything to be this perfect in design. And if it's not, then they won't, they won't do it. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and it's really challenging at times to get them to understand, like it's our job to educate the client. It's our job to give them options we're not responsible for what they choose. Uh And so one of the options, whether we like it or not, has to be a push pull. 
right? When we're talking about system replacements, whether you like it or you don't, one of the options for the client, because it is still better than what they have right now, is to pull what's in there now out of the way and push a new one into the same spot. Is it ideal? Might there be reasons why it's not a great idea? Yeah. But as long as we share those and the person makes the decision knowingly. Yeah. 100%. Now, yeah, this, this is all really good stuff. Um, so when we're, we'll keep, we'll keep on with sales for a second. Now, when it comes to sales, um, some organizations have the mindset that, you know, only particular individuals are allowed to be, you know, in the sales situation. How do you combat that for your, you know, your technicians who may not be the best salespeople? So I'm, I'm going to go back to number one, everybody on your team has a purpose and everybody on your team has value. Mm -hmm. I will go back to 1998, 1999. I know Eric, you were what three. Yeah. Right. But 98 and 99, I was a technician. I did not sell equipment, but I did over a million dollars in sales both years. And I did it through solutions, right? I did it through making sure that I didn't leave a home with a dirty coil or a dirty blower. And if I did clean the coil and the blower, most of the time, I also put better filtration solutions in place to make sure that it didn't get dirty again, mm -hmm. right? If there were things that were out of tolerance, I made sure to bring it up and talk about it. And if it wasn't where it needed to be, I made sure that the homeowners had a choice. By doing that and by showing them the value in doing it today instead of waiting, I just was really, you know, fortunate and, and you know, lucky, I guess. You know, I'd rather be good, lucky than good any day of the week. But I just believe that the fact that I cared came through and more people trusted me than didn't and allowed me to do the work for them. Mm-hmm. But that comes from offering them what they need and giving them a, a, an, a an array of choices, right? Um, and then just letting them make the selection. So when it comes to, should we have selling text? Should we have comfort advisors? Should we have this? Should we? Yes. <laughs> I mean, what works for you? What fits your culture? What do you believe in? Go with that. Mm -hmm. I've seen all the models work. If you're a technician... You don't like to communicate. You don't like sales. It's not something you're passionate about. You still have value to your team, mm -hmm. right? You could be an amazing quality control specialist. You could be an amazing warranty technician, right? I would love to have a super technical guy that isn't necessarily money motivated, but wants to know he's out there doing a great job. That's going to be my warranty tech. I'm going to pay him a higher hourly wage. He's not going to be eligible for all the extra spits and bonuses. But his job is literally one thing. When you go on a call, before you leave, you make sure it's right. Mm -hmm. There's value in that. So yeah. the idea of thinking that everybody's got to be this lights out salesperson is is silly. Yeah. Well, I think it's good, you know, like, like you said, make sure that when you leave, everything is right. Because, you know, there are 
I mean, I'll go ahead and say, I've, I've had home services companies come to my house before. Yep. And I, I've asked myself this just because I'm in marketing and naturally, you know, everyone sells. So I always ask myself about different experiences I have with different companies. And I'm like, why is it that I closed, you know, they, they closed me on a system replacement. I got my system replaced last spring. So, you know, I paid nine grand for that. But this other company that came out for a tree trimming service, a pruning service was going to be 300 bucks. I turned them down and it's like, I wonder what that was. And it came down to the heating and air conditioning company. They built the value. They showed me my options. They got me the solution I needed. There was financing options available and the tree trimming service company just really did not do any of that. And it was way less. I could have paid that upfront, but I didn't. Hey, if, 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 the price was the most important thing. Sam's Club would kick Costco's butt all day long. Mm-hmm. They don't. Yeah. Well, Costco is, uh, and I was listening to uh, Tall Paul's podcast with with Ryan Shute talking about Costco a little bit, and that's um, they're you know they're they're something else. They really are. But guess which one I belong to. Right. I belong to Costco because at the end of the day, I trust the quality. I trust if I have a challenge, they're going to take care of it. And it costs me a little bit more. Oh, well. Yeah. And you can get a hot dog while you're there. <laughs> you're really cheap, right? That's where they get yeah, you. That dollar fifty hot dog and soda deal is something else. Yeah. Well, to, to piggyback off of that, you know, there was a conversation I was having. I don't even remember who with, but we were comparing Walmart and Target. Yep. I could go in Walmart and I could get a pack of socks, you know, six, six pairs of socks for $9.98. And I would walk in there and I would get the socks, I would pay and I would leave. I could go to Target for the exact same pairs of socks, $6. It's going to be $13.99. Plus, I'm going to spend $180 on <laughs> whatever the I'm stuff go- is that your wife throws in the cart. Exactly. There's going to be, you know, energy drinks and pillows and random shit. And we're going to walk out and, not even blink twice, but the customer experience was that much better. You know, you walk in and they like, there's the, it smells like popcorn and they got Starbucks and you got like, next thing you know, it's been 198 bucks and you leave there just as satisfied as you did when you left with $9 worth of socks from Walmart. Yep. Well, Hey, here's one for you. And I'll bring tall Paul into this one again, too. If you ask tall Paul, if he eats fast food, he'll tell you no, but guess where he loves to eat from. I don't know. Don't know. <laughs> yeah. He just doesn't consider it fast food because of the quality of the service and the quality of the food. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't eat fast food. I was like, really? You eat at Chick-fil-A, man. He's like, I do. I'm like, what do you think that is? Oh, that's not fast food. I'm like, yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. Right? And you know it's- who drives, they do training really well. Like they're, I mean, they're the model for training in my opinion. Amen. You want to you want to know about a client experience or a customer experience? Good God, go there. And now that they're open, that you can eat inside again, at least for the time being, uh, go in there and do me a favor. Just just do me this one favor. If you've never done this, this is like my favorite thing. Take your kids and make sure that your kids get the kids meal because the kids meal comes with a toy. Usually, it's more like a book or something because it's you know Chick Fil A and they're responsible. <laughs> but the person that walks around 
and is asking you whether you'd like a refill or can they get you anything, they're going to come to your child and they're going to look at your child after they ask you first. And they're going to say, would you like to keep your toy or would you like to trade it in for an ice cream cone? Hmm. Like, I love that on every level. I love the opportunity. I love the fact that my child has to choose. Do I want this toy or do I want the ice cream? Like, there's just so many teaching moments in that one business model. Mm -hmm. Think about how, how we do that, you know, with clients. Like, do, do you want this or would you like to trade it in for this? Yeah. 100%. In Chick-fil-A, and I don't want to keep harping on them too much, but... um. <laughs> In, now order to, <laughs> in order to be an owner-operator of a Chick-fil-A, you have to go to their headquarters and actually physically run their training model Chick-fil-A. And the customers are the Chick-fil-A employees at the corporate office. So they go in there and they get one free meal a day. And you have to manage this operation. And they hand you the playbook. And you have to successfully run that operation before you're allowed to go open your own. Yep. It's, and so... Eric, this takes me to the model that I'm rolling with right now when I train technicians to help companies grow and scale. How many of us would love it if we could grow and scale in a manner of which that we were in control of? What do you what do you think the answer would be if I could if I could hear from all the listeners right now? It'd probably uh probably overwhelmingly be excited. Yeah. So the answer is there is. Mm -hmm. Right? So what I coach on is creating, let's just say in this case, it would be rival digital. And I'm going to create rival digital certified employees. What this means is that they've exhibited to me that they know top to bottom, front to back, inside now, how we're supposed to do what it is we're supposed to do. Once I have those people, I'm going to give each of them an apprentice and a time frame. Could be 90 days, could be six months. Could be a year. It depends on what the role is. But their job in that time frame is to transfer the skills needed for that person to become the next certified employee in that area. It's brilliant. Right? Like, let's stop complaining about the fact that there's no good people to hire and start creating them. Yeah. Well, and that, you know, that's even um, Al Levy. He says this law is taking, you know, willing people with no skills and uh, turning them into willing people with skills. And, you know, that model you just mentioned, I mean, that just sparked ideas in my own head for, you know, what we're doing here. So I definitely, you know, a lot of good stuff so far. I really, really been enjoying this. So let's, let's dig into that model just for, you know, a few minutes before we sound <laughs> off, because I want to get some more information before, you know, we, we, I'm, I'm taking notes here. So the apprentice process, do you yep. hire those apprentices before, the individual gets certified or do they get certified and then you find an apprentice for that truck? Correct. Correct. I like that. And so how long does that, would that apprentice, uh, apprenticeship look like under the, the certified employee? So depending on what the role is, it could be anywhere from 90 days to a year. Right. I mean, I'm going to guess there's going to be people that are going to argue with me being like, Oh, it needs to be longer than a year because of how we're licensed and all. Okay, fine. Let's not, like die on that hill. It's not important. Yeah. What is important is that we have a plan, a program and a process that's measurable, duplicatable, scalable on how we're going to get where we want to go compared to where we are right now today. And this will meet all that criteria, right? 
if it's, let's just say a CSR, it's going to take 90 days. It's not going to take longer than that. And if it does, there's a chance that that person's not the right fit. If it takes me longer than 90 days to teach you how to properly answer the phone and care for people, this might not be the career for you. Yeah. That That's good stuff. I mean, we could, I, I would love to have an entire, entire series on, on this model, but um, you know, we, there's always time constraints on these episodes. So yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, we'll go ahead and, and, and begin wrapping up here um, yep. for those, you know, for those out there who, um, who don't know, I met, I met TJ in Vegas uh, for, the, for the first time. And uh, we were, I don't remember which one of those hotels are. They're all the same to me. Um, yeah. But yeah, I remember we had a really good conversation there about some stuff going on in the industry and um, definitely, definitely really appreciate, you know, everything I've learned from you, even so far, just, you know, the short time that we've, we've known each other for sure. Um, so before we sound off, what's, you know, your last tip before we dip, what do you got for them? All right. So it's not meant to be a shameless plug, but it might come out that way. My last tip is if you're going to select a coach, stop selecting them based on everybody else's opinion and start selecting them based on your own. And also the other side of it is, could you please vet them? Could you please make sure that they've actually accomplished something that they've done what they say they've done Mm -hmm. instead of just whatever it is that we read on social media? It just is frustrating for me. Um, Mainly because, like I said, I'm I'm not that shiny guy. Like I'm I'm not going to be the really loud, boisterous guy on social media. I'm just it's it's not built into my DNA. However, mm-hmm. here's what is kind of building inside of me. Right? Somebody posted, and I don't remember who it was, but I'm going to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Somebody posted something that hit me right between the eyes recently on social media, and it said this. If you believe that you're better or that you care more deeply than someone else or than the rest, however you want to word it, you owe it to people to be seen. And so I'm working to get out of my own way because here's what I will tell you. I do believe I care more than the large majority of folks that are out there Uh about the client, about the result, about the way it gets done. I, I do believe that there's probably better skill set mm-hmm. than a lot. But it, again, like I just have a challenge with, with, you know, getting out in the forefront. And so I would say like, look around, meet people, interview people, see whatever, but make sure they align with you, what you believe, who you are and stop chasing shiny stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. Because because here's the thing. Here's what I will tell you on the training piece. If you're with so and so today and you're with someone else in 90 days and you're with someone else six months later. Eventually, your team's going to stop listening and they're just going to do what's comfortable for them. Because they have no idea what to believe anymore. Mm. I mean, that's that's the drop the mic moment in my opinion. Cause that's, I mean, that's, that's spot on. It's, it's like that with um, really any function of business marketing, yep. you know, the call answering service that you have, 
you're having to retrain them on your CRM once a year because you switch back and forth from Service Titan to Sarah to House Call Pro to Service Titan, you're back and forth all the time, constantly retraining and uh, buying back into it. So <clears throat> completely agree. I think it's worth the while to, to vet them out and get the best option for you the first time. Yeah, for sure. And then just stick with it. Mm-hmm. It's a relationship, right? If, if, our, if our spouse gets us upset, we don't just throw them out. Yeah. We discuss it, figure it out, work through it, and move on. Mm-hmm. We need to do the same thing uh, with with the aspects of our business. And so, like I said, that's it's just something that I'm becoming more and more passionate about daily because I see people being harmed mm-hmm. in these different groups by folks who claim to care, but their actions show way different. Yeah. Well, I... I... I promise we'll, we'll we'll get off here in a second, but that that brings me back to a, a, a point that we had mentioned on the podcast quite a few weeks ago. Um, there are so many people when shopping for coaching and marketing and training and all this stuff, they lead with essentially how do I get out of this? Like if I don't like it, and I, the analogy that I made was if you go on a date with someone for the first time, first time ever meeting this person, and you don't say. Hey, if we get divorced, am I going to get, you know, half the house and custody of the kids and all this stuff? They're going to tell you their red flags are going to pop up and that person's going to say, all right, I'll see you later. They're not going to want to, they're not going to want to be with you. Um, So when, yeah, when you're shopping around, go into it with an open mindset, you know, disregard all the head trash that you've, you've got up there from what you read on Facebook or wherever. And um, yeah, just go to an open mind with what's best for you and your company. All day long, all day long. And if we, if, if we lead with the intent to serve others first, we can't lose. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, TJ, this has been an, an awesome episode. Really, really do appreciate you joining me on, on this Friday afternoon. Man, I appreciate you having me on. It's always fun to be able to you know, reach out to people that I otherwise wouldn't have the ability to. And um, our relationship is one that I've come to really value. So I appreciate that, man. And by the way, we were with our friends at Schedule Engine, so thank you for the introduction, Schedule Engine. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, they are uh, they're a good partner of ours. Really do appreciate them for sure. All right, TJ. Well, I hope you have a great rest of your day, a great Memorial Day weekend, and uh, we will be chatting with you soon, my friend. All right, I'll talk to you soon. All right, take care. Thanks, Eric. Thank you for tuning in for another episode. If you're an HVAC contractor in need of digital marketing services, Contact us today at www.rivaldigital.com.